Good morning, everybody. How's it going? How's it going out there? Well, in case you didn't hear already, my name is Hank. Seth is not here this morning. He's supporting his family. They're up in uh, Panama City. His wife, Jess, just completed an Ironman yesterday. If you know the Kane family well, then that's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations uh, to Jess. Uh, but so because of that, I get to fill in today. I get to be here with us. Uh, and it's really exciting to get a chance to be here with you all. First and foremost, I want to just thank Seth and Doug, Patty, and the rest of our leadership team, our elders, uh, for believing in us, believing in the opportunity to give us young guys a chance to come out here and hold it down for an afternoon or a morning. And uh, we're really excited to be able uh, to get a chance to do that. So can we just give a quick round of applause to our leadership team uh, and just how amazing they lead this church. Um, we get a chance to continue this morning uh, in this series that we've been in for the past couple of weeks called Think Happy Thoughts. I love this sermon series, by the way, um, because we've just, it's just been so encouraging, hasn't it? So, so incredibly powerful. And I love the little tagline, the, the tagline that Seth writes for, he writes a tagline for each sermon series, and uh, we get a chance to uh, read that, and it sort of helps sets the tone for the whole series. And he wrote this, and this is what I've loved. Uh, I, lo I want to start with this. Anyone can be a critic or a cynic, but just because it's easy doesn't make it the best way of going through life. And that's sort of going to be where we hang out uh, today. And Seth also put in place this rule, if you've been with us for a little bit, uh, that we're not going to talk about the bad things. This is think happy thoughts, right? So we're not going to spend a lot of time dwelling on the bad things, and we're going to try to do that to the best of our ability this morning. Uh, for those of you here in the room watching online as well, thanks so much for being here and spending time uh, with us. As I prepared for this message, I spent a lot of time praying, reading, studying, listening, uh, doing, all, doing all kinds of stuff to help get prepared for this message. And then the Lord kept putting two words on my heart, these two sort of opposing words, these opposing ideas, uh, and that's where I want to kind of spend the most of our time on. These two words, this word, this idea of division, and this idea, on the other hand, of encouragement. And our message today is going to be titled, The Culture of Encouragement. That's what we're going to talk about. Division has been sort of this overarching theme of this year, hasn't it? I mean, this is 2020, after all. We've just becoming more and more divided each and every day. When you think back on this whole year, I'm sure you can think of lots of instances where you have felt divided, maybe from someone that you know, someone in your family. Heck, even our church right now is divided. We've got most, we've got a, a big chunk of you here in the room, and we've got a lot of you tuning in at home, watching online. When you take this whole year, a global pandemic, lots of Lots of, you know, social unrest. Top it off with an election year. And now the cherry on top is a tropical storm bearing down on our state. It seems like there are lines getting drawn each and every single day, and we're becoming divided more and more. And the more that we draw these lines, the harder it can be to have understanding, grace, and patience for those around us. And it can become easier to generalize, to judge, and to misinterpret someone else. So what better way to start than by reading this passage from Philippians, Paul's letter to the people of Philippi, uh, written in a very divisive time in the Roman Empire. Well, we're going to go ahead and look at this together. It says, Do everything without grumbling or arguing, 
so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in labor or in vain, but even if I am poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is a really interesting passage and a really interesting verse, and I love this verse. Um, For me, I always understood this verse in the context of my mom saying it to me when I was a kid. Do everything without grumbling or complaining to sort of solicit good behavior from my brothers and I. Uh, But I think it's important to keep keep in mind the context in which this letter was written. You look back on the time of the Roman Empire, they were going through sort of this own, their own little mini 2020 back then. They were divided geographically, the Roman Empire, massive in size, lots of different people, lots of different groups, feeling very, very divided. They were divided spiritually and religiously, a supposedly very tolerant Roman Empire, also known to be very, very critical and, 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 and show a lot of preference and favoritism behind the scenes, especially if you were a Christian. They were divided politically. There are lots of different people competing for power in the Roman Empire, and they were divided socially. Different groups, different people groups, different wealth spread amongst all these different groups, a very, very divided time. One of the byproducts of this division in Paul's letter that we can can see in other parts of this letter and read throughout all of history is that there were so many bitter and cynical people. They were bitter at each other. They were bitter at their leaders. They were bitter at the systems that were in place to help keep people, control people, and keep people down. And they were bitter at the different institutions that the Roman Empire put in place. The whole movement of cynicism was actually uh, popularized and and, and really got a chance to explode during this time. Um, It was founded and really sort of became popularized by this guy named Antithesis, who, who sort of pioneered this ideology in that time. Cynicism or cynicism was a little different than how we think about it now, but back in those days, he and his followers would go around, they were sort of this cultural watchdog. They would observe culture, they would observe things happening around, and when they saw something that they wanted to, that they didn't like, that they would call those people out, publicly shame them, and, and, and sort of shame them over and over and over again to sort of solicit this cultural change that was in line with the agenda and aligned with where they wanted to try to go. Any of that sound familiar at all? I mean, it sounds like we're talking about today every so often. And that's just one example of the bitterness that I'm sure Paul and many other early Christians were facing at the time. Let's make one thing really, really clear. I'm sure that they had a lot to be cynical and bitter about. The Roman Empire, far from perfect, and it was a place that needed reform, needed change, and and, and didn't really care about the little guy. And I think we can say the same thing about what's going on in our world today. What Paul addressed in his letter, and what I think we have to be careful of, is making sure that the bitterness and cynicism we might experience in the season and in these moments don't poison our soul. That it doesn't change how we view and see people in our lives, even the ones that disagree with us or live differently than us. 
we can take inventory of these voices in our lives to ensure that we can continue to say positive, think happy thoughts, and treat others the way we'd like to be treated. When we do this, we can be glad and rejoice, like Paul mentioned in his letter. The German author Friedrich Nietzsche has a great quote about this idea. We're going to put it up on the screen for you in just a second. He says, whoever fights monsters should see to it that in the process he does not become one. I love this quote. To put it simply, there is a difference between being a critical or cynical about something and becoming a critical or cynical person. We've all probably interacted with someone that is slipping into the mindset of a full-blown cynic. If you're watching online on Facebook, maybe when you opened your Facebook feed today, you saw one of these people who is just completely jaded and run out on life, and that probably got you in a bad mood. Just start your Sunday. Maybe you're on Twitter or on Instagram. Twitter is the worst about this, by the way. Twitter is, Twitter is a mess. These people oftentimes start off as being a really well-meaning person who has a critique about something in society, and they get met with opposition, and before you know it, it becomes the cycle uh, of saying something, getting this reply or feedback that makes you angry, reading it and getting upset, internalizing that anger, and then you jump to conclusions and lash out at somebody over and over and over again. It's the cycle. It happens in person, in, in our conversations, but online, in the digital space, it becomes so much easier to create these ideas, create these words, type out these long posts, lash out at someone else. And it can really easily spiral out of control. You do this for long enough and you're going to get sucked in so far away that you begin to see the people you call your family and your friends and your community different just because they think or believe differently than you. The biggest hurdle to it all, like we just talked about, is social media. And these things, these devices we carry around in our pockets can really take the humanity out of these interactions with people. It can become really easy that when you are so impassioned with something that you believe is right, you can get so worked up that there are people out there that think differently than you, and you can type, type, type in your own little bubble, in your own little space, and say something that really hurts someone. I read this article as I was preparing for this message. It has a really uh, Captain Obvious title to it. Uh, it's called, Is Social Media Making Us Bitter? <laughs> I think we have it for the screen, and we're going to read it together, this quote that I found from it that I loved. It says this, On social media, we get to skip the real-life challenge of trying to work through differences or bite our tongue not to be rude. Instead, we can join tribes of like-minded friends who second our opinions and make us bold in speaking our minds. While tribes can be beneficial, issues arise when tribes become echo chambers where every voice and every story heard only affirms the group mindset. In these echo chambers, pride grows, minds shrink, and tribes fall under the illusion that they are always right and the rest of the world is wrong. They forget how even a broken clock is right twice a day and how every human has something valuable to teach us. Every single day and in every way, we are surrounded by division. And for me, I think about this a lot and it makes me sad. But then I read this passage from Second Philippians and it helps me get this new perspective. I read Paul's writing and remind myself that everything we're facing in this day and age that can be so stressful and give us so much anxiety, division, cynicism, 
cancellation, unrest, chaos. It's not anything that's new. And Paul's words then and in that context can be applied to today in this context as well. We're going to look at it one more time. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life. In other words, we as Christians, especially as Christians, are called to be so much more than just angry, toxic, cynical people. We are called to give love and to give life. And as we go through life and see so much division and so many people complaining about this and that, see so many people offended and upset and lashing out at people, we're called to lay all that stuff down and instead carry ourselves with love, grace, kindness, and forgiveness. And when we do that, we see what the results will be back in that verse. Then you will shine like stars. You will shine among them like stars in the skies. You hold firmly to the word of life. So the question, I like to have a question in each of my messages. The question we're asking today is how can we write a story of love in a time of so much division? The answer, I think, lies in this very simple yet very difficult practice that we mentioned at the top of this message. And it's this idea and this this practice of encouragement. All throughout the Bible, we see lots of examples and times where it talks about encouragement. It's all over the place. We're going to walk through a couple of examples together this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Hebrews 10.25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see that day approaching. Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Couple more. Proverbs 12.25, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus has. That's Romans 15, 5. And it's interesting, when you go back in the original text, the word encouragement in the ancient Greek, the original word we translate encouragement into is parakalesis or parakaleo. It comes from these two root words, para which means close, alongside, next to. There's this implied idea of proximity, closeness. And the other root word, kaleo, which means to call out, speak aloud, or to name, which implies that it's very specific in nature. When you put these words together, parakaleo, parakalesis, we get this combined definition that means a call for help, exhortation, or encouragement, consolation, comfort, solace, that which affords comfort or refreshment. And even think about the English word encourage. It's combined of the, of the suffix en, which means to give, and courage. When we think about it through this lens, encouragement is so much more than a like or a heart or a small comment on social media. Biblical encouragement is to quite literally give someone courage for the season or the moment that they're facing. 
We have the opportunity and the capability to give someone that courage. We have the opportunity and the privilege to take a happy thought, plant it in someone's mind to help them make it through the day. There are plenty of studies and scientists that talk about the effect of an encouraging word on someone's life and in someone's brain. It's something that you can monitor or track. And when they hear an encouraging word, endorphins in your brain get released. They get a buzz when they hear something encouraging about themselves. Are they able to see themselves from a different perspective? How others and how God sees them. And gives them a foundation for building confidence, improving their attitude, and taking constructive action in their life. Encouragement sort of acts like this adrenaline rush for your mind and for your spirit. How many of us have ever been in a funk and the one person says just the right thing and it revs you up and helps you get through that moment, get through that day? Everything in science and in scripture points towards there being an incredible power behind encouraging words. How many of us know that the power goes both ways? This is what Proverbs says about it in Proverbs chapter 18. The power of life and death is in the power of the tongue. Our words are powerful. Our words carry weight. Think about some of the times in your life that a sentence or a phrase or a word meant so much. Things like, I love you. Things like, will you forgive me? Things like, we're moving. Things like, you're grounded. Things like, you're hired. Or, you're fired. Phrase like, too close to call. These are simple words, but they have a power to change someone's experience in someone's life. Have you ever heard this phrase? It's sort of popular. I, I saw it a lot as I was preparing and reading this idea that words create worlds. You ever heard this before? Words create worlds. I feel like the person who came up with this phrase must have either been a Christian or at least read their Bible because when we go back, you can see that God spoke words and from those words, our whole world was formed. Then later, Jesus came and spoke miracles into existence, just with his words. And then you see the early church was born when people encountered the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues, exchanged words through language. And that set into motion the beginning of the church that we know and love across the world. This phrase, words create worlds, I believe it applies to both our spoken words verbally, but also our written and typed words as well. Our typed words can be used and sent too flippantly and so quickly, and go out to so many people, it can be really easy to forget just how effectively those words can travel and reach so many. And there's great consequences in that, both good and bad. Here's the reality. Each of us have been hurt by words, online or in person. But the flip side of that reality is this. Each of us have also hurt someone else with our words. And you may not even know or be aware of the impact that your words that you typed or that article you shared or that comment you left, what those words, the effect they had on someone else. James talks about this in the book of James chapter 3. He says this, and I love this, I love this passage. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. 
my brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This is so good. In other words, this is what James is saying. Do you want a quick and easy spiritual maturity test? It's really easy. Look at the words that come out of your mouth. Look at the words that you post. Look at the things you text. Look at the articles and the videos and the media that you share. Do they give life and encouragement to everyone? And by everyone, I don't just mean the people in your same tribe or your same circle or all the people who think the same way as you. Or do they contribute to the chaos and the division that are happening all around us? Do they constantly criticize? Do they complain? Do they put other people down, find fault in others? Do they refuse to view things from someone else's perspective? Do they say that you and only you are right and everything else is wrong? I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a community, a church, both here locally and the global church. And with my influence, I want to model a culture that says, I'm going to be mature. I'm going to choose to build people up when I talk to them. I'm going to choose to work toward the common ground. I'm going to put myself in the middle and bring people together for the sake of unity. I'm not going to draw lines of division, but I'm going to speak life and encouragement to all, even those I disagree with, even those I don't understand, even those who don't think just like me. That's the culture I want, not just for this church, not just for us here at the Foundry, here in the room watching online, but for the church around our nation. It's such a divisive time. And for the church around the world. That's what I want us to work towards. Encouragement means everything to someone and costs us absolutely nothing to give away. And when we do that, we give someone courage. We give them a happy thought. And we get to, with our words or posts, create a world where people are drawn to Jesus through our gracious speech and demeanor. Here's what I want us to take out of here today. And if you've been a part of our community for a while, this should be pretty easy to remember. It's this idea. If words create worlds, let's make a better world. If words create worlds, let's make a better world. The idea of encouragement goes back to what we talk about every single time we gather in this place for worship. We end it just the same, and we will today as well. May God be working in you to create a better you. May God be working through you to create a better world. Better you. Let's focus on our mindset for the good. Focus our minds on the positive. Let's make ourselves in line with how God sees the rest of the world and you and me. Better world. Let's take this, let's take that and use, that, use those ideas constructively and be bold in building other people up. Let's utilize the power of our words and use it to improve people's lives, people's circumstances all around us. And if, and if so, the challenge Paul gives us in the book of Corinthians, if we want to go back to that passage, it really comes down to this. If you want to stand out, if you want to shine like a star, 
and reflect Christ and his goodness in the world, it's really simple. Let's not do what everybody else does, which is grumble and complain, put others down just to build ourselves up. If you want to be radical, if you want to be different, if you want to reflect Christ, speak hope, speak life, and speak love to everyone, even when they make you mad, even when they don't do the same as you, even when you're just so fed up you just want to scream. Speak hope, life, and love. Find the good in everyone. Use gracious speech. And remember, if we are Christians, there should be evidence of this in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 goes like this. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Think of how these fruits should be evident in our speech and in our words. So here's what I want us to reflect on as we get ready to close. What have your words been used for this week? This is a good week to ask that question, isn't it? What have your words been used for this week? Building up or tearing down? Are your words ignited with the fire of the Holy Spirit or are they ignited with the flame of hatred? What have our words been used for this week? Those watching online, you have the upper hand today. You get a chance to, right now, you can start by sharing these constructive, these happy thoughts right on your feed in the comment section of where you're watching right now. You have the upper hand from all of those here in the room. Let's commit to speaking encouraging words. It costs us nothing to tell someone that they can do it. It costs us nothing to affirm their seemingly crazy dream or idea, to remind them of what you see in them. And if you're the kind of person who's new to this whole idea of encouragement, you say, I've never really been encouraging before and I don't really know how to do it, I don't know how to find those words, here's a great place to start. You can just literally pass on scripture, words that have already been written. As you read your Bible, find something that gives you hope. Think about the person in your life who could use it and share that to them. If you want to explore this a bit more, I would love to have you in my new online life group starting today. The topic will be how do we form constructive thoughts around the things going on in our, in our lives. And I'd love to have you be a part of that with me. We'll be doing daily readings for about 21 days. This will be a great group, and I would love to have you be a part of it with me. If you're here in the room, I'd love to talk to you about it after service. Or if you're watching online, information will be shared in the chat with you so that you can join and be a part of it through the YouVersion Bible app. Here's the next question. Who has God put into your life or your circle or your tribe that you can encourage? Each one of us has a different circle. Each one of us has influence and the ability to encourage people that others cannot. So who is it that God has placed specifically and squarely in your circle that is for you to encourage? 
And, it, and I realize it can be hard. It's a lot easier to complain, isn't it? It's a lot easier to just let it rip. Complain, let everybody know. But think about this in your own life. Think back 5, 10, 15, however many years. What's easier to remember? Do you remember the bad times? The times someone put you down? Or do you remember the person that believed in you? That came alongside you? The person that gave you courage and boldness? And in that same spirit, in your interactions with other people, how would you want to be remembered? Do you want to be the hurdle someone had to jump over or move around in pursuit of their dream? Or do you want to be the person who was there at the right time, had the right thing to say, gave you something constructive that helped? What better way to sum up this charge as we wrap up today than when you look at the actual words of Jesus? They won't be on the screen, but I'm just going to read some of these. We just did not too long ago, a great sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. I'd love to revisit some of those. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. When Jesus instructs us or what our response to be should be to enemies, he said, love your neighbor, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus said this in Matthew 15, 11. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Think back to the woman caught in adultery. He spoke with her with forgiveness and kindness and no condemnation. He, he says to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Then neither do I. Go now and leave your life of sin. When Jesus reassured or encouraged, she spoke these words. John chapter 14, peace I leave with you. May peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. When Jesus wanted to calm the storms and the winds, he simply said, peace be still. The wind died down. It was completely calm. I think Jesus embodied this idea, this practice of encouragement better than anyone. I think that as we enter into this time of reflection and response from this message, it gives us a great time to reflect on the entire life of Christ and the sacrifice that he made for you and for me. He went to the cross for us no matter what we believe, no matter what we think, no matter how divided we are, he went to the cross for us. And he did so willingly. And I think about that. As hard as that was, as hard as it can be to speak an encouraging word to someone, speaking life to someone, can be difficult, but it has so much power. There's so much return on that investment in someone's life. We as a church, we get a chance to reflect on this as we take communion. We do this every single week. Our ushers are gonna be making their way around the room. For those of you who are here, please make sure you have your masks on as they come. 
You'll need one stack of two cups that have both the bread and the juice together. I hope that as we take this, these, these, these sacraments, this bread and this juice, these actual symbols of Christ, and we get to in, 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 ingest them, that we would get his same spirit of courage and boldness and encouragement. I hope that passes through you and in you and that we get a chance to not only feel that in ourselves, but share that, take that same energy, share it with someone else. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we love you. We are so grateful that we get a chance as a church to gather together around this idea of encouragement. Lord, we pray that we wouldn't be people who draw lines. Let not this church be one that continues to contribute to the division that we face in this country. But instead, let us view people with your perspective, through your eyes, and find the value and the goodness in every single person no matter what. And as we take this communion today, help us to reflect on that perspective and do and do your will to go into this life, into our week, into social media and carry your light and your goodness. It's in your name we pray. Amen.